The following is a selection of readings from the 2022 Fisher Poets Gathering. The gathering took place virtually, featuring Fisher Poets from across the continent and beyond. The selections have been edited for broadcast by myself, Emma Geddes, with the help of Brad Wortman of Capital Community Media in Salem, Oregon. With permission from the Fisher Poets Gathering for broadcast on KMUN Astoria and a select few other small community radio stations where the Fisher Poets call home. This is the 25th annual Fisher Poets Gathering coming to you from Astoria, Oregon and the wider world. We've got a great lineup ahead and we're eager to cast off the lines. Sit down, grab a beer, and listen. Somebody will blow you away. First, we hear from Naftali Fields Forbes from Kodiak, Alaska. Hi, everyone. My name is Naftali Fields Forbes, and this is my first Fisher Poets Gathering. Jay's right, I'm from Kodiak. I'm a third generation Setnader. And this is an excerpt from a play that I wrote. Um, I'm a director and a playwright called Setnet, an Alaskan fishing story. And I was loving the performance that just came on. Thanks, Alex and Nicole. That was awesome. Uh, here's a little bit of an introduction to this island that eight crew are trapped on for the duration of a salmon season and they experience some of the joys and a lot of the trials of uh, set net season throughout the long Kodiak summer. This is the origin story of the island. Once there was a giant, a huge stumbling giant riding green mountains up the Pacific headed for the Arctic. Had to get there before the ice came, join with his kin in the north, everything pushing against his journey. Snow whirling, wind whipping, waves pulling at his feet and his mountain horses. In anger, he pulls off his boot and throws it against the storm, leaving the boot behind. And it becomes an island, no more than a mile around beautiful. But when you throw a stone at the sky in anger, the sky remembers. And every family that's ever lived on the island has known troubles. Last summer, a fire, a mother gone and render standing in the ashes, Talia wearing her mother's dress, trying to call Sarah home. But render, you just watch. He's like that first giant. He'll keep on pushing, keep on fishing, won't even glance at the ashes on his own boots. There's more to the story. When the giant threw the boot, he hit Tiame, the woman in the wind. She fell from the sky, found the boot island, wove it out of the water with kelp hair and driftwood with songs, made a story, waiting for the winds to come and pull her back, but no one came. She wove a boat, it broke in the water. And salmon, a school of thousands of salmon, swam under her drowning body and lifted her, carried her north. The island was left behind, full of his anger, full of her tears. It wanted to follow, but was stuck fast in the ocean's mud. A lonely island never left the place it was forgotten. This is a song that the young a female protagonist sings about her relationship to that island. I was born here on the island in the midst of a salmon run. My first breath was of seaweed, spruce trees and the setting sun. 
My mother said the island would always treat me as her own. But my island didn't protect me from her leaving me alone. I've seen earthquakes and tsunamis here alone all through the year. I fish salmon with my father since I first could wear the gear. They always told me the island has a grip like the winter's wind. They told me no one could escape here, but last summer my mother did. Thank you. Next is Pat Dixon from Olympia, Washington. This is a celebration of fishing, waiting to deliver. On the good day, when boats return home, low in the water, holds full, nets wrapped around salmon rolled on the reel after picking half the net and laying it back out while the fish keep inning, then running to the other end and doing it again all day long. No time for breaks, a sandwich, or even water. Your face, beard, and glasses streaked black by gurry, dotted white with scales, back aching, fingers and wrists sore. You find energy reserves, threads of adrenaline buried deep, sustain you until you've made the run home and toss a line to the boat you tie behind, the last of a dozen hanging off the port stern next to a matching group tied to the starboard side of the tender, taking fish anchored in the middle of the river. This day of donkey work, this day of absolution, isn't over, won't be for hours. At the back of the queue, you know you'll be here past dinner, past dark, maybe past dawn. You'll eat a baked potato and a red salmon garnished with lemon, onion, and butter less than two hours from the time you plucked it alive from the sea. You'll wash it down with a cold beer from the cooler, watch the sunset, and think how this is the best, most complete life you can imagine. Salt air cools as shadows lengthen, and the water changes from blue to black. You trade bunk time with your deckhand and fall asleep before your head hits the pillow. The smack of a boat hook on the bow wakes you both as the next boat in line cuts you all loose to go deliver, and those of you still tethered together like a serpent in the glare of arc lights work to move up, fighting the river's flow pulled and yanked off course by boats fore and aft, bumping throttles forward, neutral, reverse, trying not to ram the one ahead of you, hoping the one behind you does the same. Your deckhand fends off as you swing too close to the vessels, sleeping to starboard, until the lead boat tosses a line around the tender's cleat again, and you all slide back in the current like a sigh. Engine after engine goes silent. Lines creak around the cleats as they stretch dot. Your crew slips into the bunk 
while you settle back in the skipper's chair, light a smoke, and sip a cold cup of coffee. You're still waiting, waiting to deliver. Next, we hear from Maggie Birch of Homer, Alaska. So wonderful to be here. Um, I think my first Fisher Poets was five years ago, which um, is crazy to think about now. Um, my background in fishing, I, I was set netting from uterine and all through my childhood. And then uh, uh, did some seining and bought a drift boat and drifted for five years. And um, we'll be returning to the same mud that I was raised in um, this next summer. So looking forward to that. Um, a year ago today, my partner, the love of my life was in surgery, getting a cancerous brain tumor removed. Um, so my past year and this last summer I wasn't fishing has been a lot about that and just um, fighting cancer. So the next two poems are about that in relation to fishing and yeah, I'm excited to be here and share with you guys. Some future. All the missing that fishing brought this love. And now time feels different. Sticky like canned peaches left through the freeze. Oncologists and scans teach me to think of time in months, not seasons. October, November, stop. Have the shackles been hung? A question for the future. Will the four-wheeler start feel small when I still wake in the night at any of your movements? Sure, things have gotten worse. In a cloudy dream, we are there though. It is July and you are bright with salmon death, with mud and water and work. I watch and wonder as you fall for lines and knots, engines and current speeds. The boat pitches, the lines tug, the tides suck. And in all that tension, I am calm. The next one I have is called Fleeting. This one, um, yeah, keeping it short. <laughs> um, fleeting. Life as brief and frantic as a salmon run. Shorebirds turn in unison above the rusted cannery. The tundra swamp gives out beneath you. The mud doesn't let you go. That wave comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden there are decisions to make in warp time. Love like a sucking ebb, everything else racing by the shoreline, that buoy, a boat. We search for something to hold on to. Cancer, illness is the moon, retching us in and out. Life, belief, disbelief, treatment, tranquility, gratitude, brutality. Nature was my first teacher. She beckoned me to sunny beaches littered with salmon carcasses. She taught me of silver riches drenched in crimson blood. Everything is fleeting, she said in the black suck of the mud, in the sand picked up by the wind, in the heartache, in the rot. Um, and then my next poem is, um, so my sister and I are buying my mom's Senate site, the one we grew up at. 
and um, that's gonna happen this summer. So that's exciting. Um, it's called, this poem is called The Origin. Last week, my sister pulled a tarot card that was a salmon. It said she would be returning to her origins. Beach glass and baby dolls, pulling on long underwear and scooping down oatmeal in the dark. These memories are so old, they form photographs. Two girls with tutus over snowsuits on a four-wheeler, the bright red row filling my sister's hands. We didn't learn it all right away, and we don't know very much now, but we know how the tundra rolls, how to cook with what's left in the fridge at the end of the season, how to make tea when everything else feels like despair. We hadn't planned on returning, and I wonder if the salmon don't either, and it catches them off guard when they have too much going on or not enough saved yet. But there it is, a tug towards the origin. They follow and their sisters do too. That's it, thank you so much. Just feel honored to be here and I can't wait till we're doing it in person. Thank you. Wilfred Wilson from Delta BC. I, um, I got a couple of poems here I'm gonna recite. I, um, I've, been, I've been contemplating this first one here for a, a few years here. And then last year um, when we were, our, our world is kind of shrinking where we can fish and uh, we don't get together as much as we once were because we'd be scattered throughout the province even, you know, mostly the coast. Um, I'm uh, what I call a lifer, fisher, commercial, uh, 60 plus years here now, still active. Um, yeah, and I, I, I learned of another friend passing there last year. So uh, when I was leaving uh, uh, to come home, uh, this, uh, this poem occurred to me and I, I called the last tie up. <clears throat> As the world shrinks for most fishers, memory surface of tales told where the whole coast was open to fish. Men would talk of all the capes they'd fished on the coast in their lifetimes. For each successive generation, the natural world starts to shrink as the global world expands. As efficiency goes up and up, harvest numbers climb in each generation, peaking and then crashing, fished beyond sustainability. Realization Men seen throughout one's entire life also diminish each year. As we gather in so few places open to fish, boats of friends tied up hundreds and hundreds of times over the decades. As one leaves port sailing home at season end, who will be the ones you will never see again? For we never know or admit there, this cast off could be the last. Not to have a retirement party, never to get the golden handshake. I do know I have not untied for the last time. I'm sure I'll be tying up a few more hundred times, uh, creator willing. For you see, I will not accept my last tie up just yet.
Tony Morosevich, Pacifica, California. I'm down here in Pacifica, which is down the coast from San Francisco. Uh, but I'm from Everett, Washington. And um, my dad had the boat, uh, the Persaner, the Western Maid. He used to uh, fish out of Alaska, out of Dutch Harbor. Um, and uh, the boat uh, was in the family for a long time. Uh, it finally sank for the last time off of Coos Bay and uh, was dredged up in 2017. So um, it's had its final final voyage, but it was a fabulous boat and a, a good fishing life. Um, the, the book, uh, I have a new book coming out, it's called Spell Heaven, and it's uh, the sea, um, because all these stories are sea driven. And uh, in Pacifica, we have a, a pier that goes out and a lot of people crab fish off the pier. Um, and it's a great, great, great place to live. Um, and there's a whole lot of interesting uh, there's a community of people down here that I've written about that I um, love dearly. Um, and uh, the, the piece I'm going to read is um, the shortest piece in the book. Um, uh, it's about also things that come in from the sea um, that come in because, you know, they always come in from the sea and you're always finding things on the shore. And this is called This Once Bright Thing. Just before dawn, before someone flips the switch, trips the circuit breaker, turns night into day, before light floods the shore. The sand is swept clean, blown clean, cleared of the crumbs left on the carpet of what the cat tracked in, the sea dragged in. On some days, you can see the footprints of a solitary figure who trudged back and forth along the beach, though this morning there are no footprints, no trail to follow, no breadcrumbs or other leftovers, the bony arms of driftwood, plastic bottles, a length of rope frayed at the end like a ragged wick. You too are frayed at the end, at the end of your rope. You've come here to find something, anything, and if there's anything to see, you'll see it. You have an unobstructed view. And then, just when you're about to give up, to turn away, you spot something in the sand. Before you get near, before you take the first step, it's a guessing game. Is it a clear balloon, a discarded jar, a plastic container, a glass float? It looks transparent, something you can see, uh, see through, a round window, a porthole, which triggers a flash. You were a child, and the neighborhood kid who mowed your grass left a clear glass jug full of gasoline on the back porch, the gas that made the lawnmower go. As the afternoon sun lowered in the sky, its rays glinted off the glass, struck at the right angle, caused a spark, a flame that licked the sides of the jug, carried up the invisible wick, found the porch, the wall of the house, blew through the back door and came inside. Somewhere across town, fire alarms went off. Somewhere a fireman slid down a pole and later, after the smoke cleared, a fireman took you up in his fatherly arms, for your own father was far away at sea, in the middle of all that water, of no use out there. Those waves would never make it home, make it to shore in time to put out this flame. As you near the object, you see it's not a jar, a bottle, a float, it's a light bulb, 
in a shape you've never seen, narrow at both ends, round in the middle, as if someone tried to blow up a balloon, lost heart, and then stopped midway. A tinkerer with the right tools could fit a tiny ship inside this bulb, could raise its sails, the ship could sail along that thin silver line of horizon, the filament, a line that looks as delicate as a spider's web. On the outside of the glass are free floaters, hitchhikers, who held on, who came along for the ride, tiny mussels and threads of seaweed and spores, they held on. This object once cast that light onto the water, this fragile, fragile thing survived rough seas, was tossed about as we are tossed about. And how do we survive? How did this survive? This fragile glass, this once bright thing that glowed and glowed like memory glows and glows before it is snuffed out, before we forget. Here it is now, pick it up, hold it in your hands, look inside. Is he still back there, the fireman? Still out there, the sea captain? Still at the back door, your mother calling you in from play? And what of the boy who cut the grass? Look close. Can you see him now, mowing the grass, trudging back and forth, as the seas go back and forth, as you go back and forth, from the present to the past to this moment? And through it all, the waves continue, the day continues, through it all, the morning light continues, bright and curved and sturdy as a flame. Thank you. And thank you, um, John and Holly and Amanda um, for inviting me back. I just, um, this is, it's just been a joy listening to everybody. Thank you. Henry Hughes of Monmouth, Oregon. Well, I, um, I live in Oregon. I've lived here 20 years, but um, I grew up on the East Coast on Long Island, New York, and did a little bit of commercial fishing. I was mostly a deckhand on charter fishing boats, but also pitched in on a dragger or a lobster boat. And I shellfished. I picked oysters for two seasons. We had a lot of fertile bays where I grew up, and you just go out at low tide and pick oysters. Um, and so this first poem is just a, a bit of a reminiscence about um, those beautiful waters of my youth. And there's a body of water mentioned here, Conscience Bay. What a great name, right? Conscience Bay. So if we know that region on the north shore of Long Island, that would be kind of between Port Jefferson, that was my hometown, and Stony Brook. There's a big university there. So this is uh, Oyster Blues. When I see oystermen bending slowly at low tide, I think of my own labored summers, backache, sunburn, biting flies, pulling oysters from dark, tight mud and from the sides of steep flats between the mussels and cord grass. Kneeling in the warm mire, I felt simpler. A terrapin, a horseshoe crab, oysters, the whole colony breathing before me. There is something I long for, moving like a creature over the cluttered bed, picking the living among the dead. Let me drive home to Conscience Bay, the shallow flats, goose skull and gray, and walk back years in old canvas shoes, baskets full of oyster blues. My other poem it comes out of uh, what we're experiencing right now. I've heard many uh, 
heartfelt concerns of what's happening in Ukraine. And I wrote this poem in late January. Many of you will remember that the Russian fleet was sailing south to conduct these live fire drills off the Irish coast, you know, well within their, their, their national zone and on their fishing grounds, right? And did you follow this in the news? It was incredible. So Ireland doesn't have much of a, of a navy. They couldn't really do anything militarily. But the fishermen got together and said, we're going to go out and fish. Essentially, we're going to go out there and, and do what we do and interfere if necessary with this massive uh, naval operation. I'm so impressed with that. So this is a little something for the Irish fishermen. In County Cork, the lads at O'Donoghue's catch the news. Russia's gray fleet heading south for war games over Porcupine Bank where they trawl whiting, mackerel, prawns, pollock, and hake. For heaven's sake, O'Malley slams a fist like a depth charge. They set down pints and whiskeys, nudge aside fish chowders and soda bread, and watch the missile cruiser Ustinov combing awake round Norway while a nuke sub drills the Danish straits. Texting, calling skippers and crew, what do we do? No missiles and bombs in our backyard, Carlton barks. They'll blow the fish to bits, the bartender says, and you boys with him. Next day, O'Hara replaces the hose on his barrel winch. Hughes hangs an orange wheelhouse door. Walsh finally scrubs that stinky ice machine on his old green dingle. And Kelly rewires the loud hailer that wakes the foggy harbor. Stay clear, Mr. Putin. We're going fishing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night. That's Fisher Poets Gallery. We'll see you all in Astoria next year. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Brad Wortman for production help and to the Fisher Poets for graciously allowing us to produce these selections. To hear both selected productions and for links to Brad's full-length recordings of all of the 2022 Fisher Poets Gathering performances, visit the podcast page at kmun.org. <laughs>